Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome to another episode of Better Black Than Never. I am your host, Tavarnas King, and I hope you're doing well. I hope you're staying safe. And that is especially important and especially apropos thing to say, given that this weekend or a couple of days ago, I actually saw a photo of people gathering in Houston at a club to go see Bow Wow. What the fuck are you guys doing, man? Risking COVID for fucking Bow Wow? Jeez. So I hope people listening to this are smarter than that. And I know that celebrating MLK Day and the MLK Weekend is very different in the time of COVID compared to, you know, just any other time, really. Um, But I hope you're smarter than that and you're staying safe even while you're trying to celebrate and gather with friends and family in the safest, most appropriate way possible. Because that shit was not appropriate. (laughs) That shit was crazy. So we have a lot to get to today. I mean, there's always a ton of news. So choosing what to talk about on this podcast is always this this big idea and thought exercise about, you know, what it is that you guys come here to listen to versus some of the things that I want to talk about because I like to believe I have a unique perspective or some unique some unique information or insight to to give to the subject versus, you know, my ability and my desire to give you guys something to laugh about and take a break, you know, from all the craziness that's happening in the world. So, you know, I think we got a good show here and a good collection of topics to talk about. But of course, we have to start with the obvious, which is Martin Luther King Jr. And the the question of, you know, what does... MLK Day and everything that that is mean now, today. And so we're going to get into that first, and I will see you on the other side. Yeah, so Moe the King Jr. Day, 2021. So I believe. It became official in 1986 on the Reagan of all people, his dumbass. So that basically means we've been doing this for 30 plus years. And I saw a tweet yesterday that if Martin Luther King Jr. was alive, he would still be younger, younger than Betty White. And the same goes for Anne Frank. I don't think people really kind of understand just how... Just how close and how soon and how recent all of that was. You know, I think oftentimes when we see these pictures and we see these these, you know, movies and we see these, you know, videos of the civil rights movement for for some reason. And I, and I understand it because I think sometimes I fall for it, too. We kind of fall for the trap of thinking that it was ages ago. No, it wasn't ages ago. <laughs> We're not talking about something that happened 200 years ago or 300 years ago. There are people alive today, literally, who saw it all happen. And hilariously, that includes Betty White, who, funny enough, was was really down with some people who, you know, I would not expect. I remember seeing, I think I shared that story about how she was down with Easy e and like there are photos of like, you know, NWA with Betty White. That's 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 a subject for a whole nother time. We're going to get into that whole whole nother time, whole nother day. We're going to get into that. 
But today, you know, and right now, I want to kind of contemplate and talk about what I think if Mother King Jr. was with us today, what he'd be thinking, what he'd be concerned about, what would be the stuff that he would still want to talk about, even at 90 plus years old. I think he would be 92 at 92 years old. You know, imagining and hoping that he would keep himself in relative health, he would still be able to, to you know, get out there on the tweets and you know on some on some Instagram, some Periscope, some YouTube, some Instagram lives, <laughs> and and share his thoughts and share his insights, share his 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 position on some things. And I think in 2021, which right now still feels like is just an extension <laughs> of 2020. I think he would clearly would be concerned about two things. I think clearly he would absolutely be disgusted by the surge in the insurrection that happened on Capitol Hill. Because I think he would be looking at that and looking at the images, looking at how the police took it so easy on those white people who were trying to overthrow the government in a way. I think in reality they were trying they were trying to maintain a particular government despite the will of the people. So in many ways they were not so much trying to overthrow the government as much they were trying to overthrow democracy, you know? And like I shared with you guys the last time what Martin King Jr. said years ago, he predicted it. He said there aren't enough white people or rather white persons in this country who cherish democratic principles over privilege you know because the moment that those privileges are seemingly under attack seemingly about to be in you know taken away white people will start trying to make sure that black people can't vote they'll start trying to make sure that you guys are threatened when you go to cast your ballot They'll shut down voting booths and voting location in black and brown neighborhoods. And all this talk about how America is the greatest country in the world. Why? Because we have freedom. And yet, at the snap of a finger, the moment you think this freedom doesn't support your idea that you should be privileged, you aim and you make a plan to take it away. You take away the bedrock of democracy, which is the vote. So I think Martin Luther King Jr. would look at that with extreme disgust in comparing it not just to his own memory not just to the violence that he endured when he was fighting for civil rights and for our rights but also seeing young people such as myself getting attacked by police because we dare to take to the streets for Sandra Bland we dared take to the streets for Michael Brown, we dare take to the streets. For Breonna Taylor, we dare take to the streets. For so many black men and women, and also children, killed by police unjustly. Now, don't let anyone ever tell you that if MLK was alive today, that he would not be right there along with us. I've shared this quote many a times. And the reality, one thing that surprised me recently was that I went to reread the I Have a Dream speech because it's one of those speeches where I've heard it so often that I don't necessarily remember all of it because I remember reading as a as a kid and rereading and rereading and after a while you kind of forget certain parts and then you just remember quotes that you know 
Martin Luther King Jr. said, but you're not you're a little fuzzy on where it is you remember it from. But the quote from Martin Luther King Jr. that says, "We can never be satisfied as long as the Negro is the victim of the unspeakable horrors of police brutality." I had to remind myself where exactly I know he said it. Where exactly did he say it? Guess what? He said it in the "I Have a Dream" speech on Washington. The I Have a Dream speech has a line where he stands up, MLK stands up against police brutality, and yet these whitewashing motherfuckers would have you think that he would not be right alongside us in the Black Lives Matter protests? Fucking crazy. So in comparison to the violence that black people marching and protesting for their humanity, in comparison to what those protesters are treated like and in comparing it to how genteel police were with those rioters and insurrectionists who want to overthrow the entire democracy he would be thoroughly disgusted and i think he would continue to make the observation that civil unrest by the privilege is always about maintaining power and maintaining the ability in the position to oppress others to maintain privilege civil unrest by those in power is always about maintaining privilege but civil unrest by the oppressed is always in defense of their humanity i know this is mlk there but i'm gonna throw some malcolm x in there malcolm x always said that the truth is always on the side of the oppressed And so in watching all of the videos, and we're getting more and more videos as the days goes by about just how violent that riot was and all the ways that so many lives were threatened. I mean, we're finding out that there were thefts of classified stuff such as Nancy Pelosi's laptop. And and I'm hearing that the person who took it Seems to have plans to sell it to the Russians. Like, what the fuck? Like, hey, clearly we have to assume it's not a normal person because you just you just don't up and have connections to Russians to whom you can just sell a laptop, okay? That you stole from the from the Capitol building. Like that's just that's not something that you know someone working at the grocery store just has. So it seems as if some really. And it's odd to even say really dangerous, but some even more dangerous and more scrupulous people made their way into that whole scrum to get some things that they want to get. And the more and more and more we learn about just how violent and evil and straight up demonic in some ways, you don't because you're talking about hanging the vice president. That's that's next level for all the fuckery that this country has put black people through not one time have we stormed the capitol hill trying to hang the president or the vice president and i remember i made this observation a while ago that it blew my mind that every assassin or would-be assassin of the president of the united states has always been white always been white and yet it is black people who are deemed the danger literally the people who are putting themselves out on front street to try and kill 
the leader of this nation has always in the entire history of this country been white people. It's black people who should be feared. I always thought that was fuckery. I always thought that was just like, you know, just an example of the extreme Jedi mind trick white people have done in convincing not just this country, but the entire world that it's, it's people like me with my skin color and my hair texture that ought to be feared. But the more and more we get news about what's happening, or rather what happened during this riot, clearly the worse and worse it, it becomes, and the more damning it is that the cops just let them in. That the cops did not treat, there was no macing, there was no tear gassing in mass, there was no bullets flying, there was, there was no army response there was no sound cannon cannons there was no water cannons there were no dogs being sicked on people and i'm certain if dr king was here with us today he will be making the comparison as a way to amplify the message that there are just some people in this country who are privileged and some people who treat as second class citizens and even when the people who are oppressed are fighting for their humanity in peaceful ways they are treated worse than the privileged people who are fighting to destroy democracy are treated because they get to be, they get to be treated in genteel ways. They they get to have the police hold their hand as they walk down the steps. I think this is something that he would definitely have a lot to talk about. I think this is something that he would definitely have some commentary on, comparing what he saw, what he would have seen during those capital riots to what he's seen for people who are protesting for Breonna Taylor, how they were confronted, even though all they were doing was marching and chanting peacefully, confronted by police in riot gear. And then and then control. I mean this happened in New York and we're gonna we might touch the story you know today. And then what the police would then do was kind of barricade them into one spot and then start beating on them push them, push them, push them into a spot and then just come out with the sticks and just start wailing on them. And in New York, when there was a curfew, the police would make sure that you couldn't get to the train so you can get home in time for curfew and then start wailing on you. Put on, just take you to jail and put just some ridiculous bail number, like millions of dollars. And yet we have protesters not even protests, rioters, insurrectionists who tried to overthrow the democracy getting out on bail is is just fuckery. And I'm sure he would say that. Granted, without the cursing. So, I'm sure his commentary would be that as always, when the oppressed people, whether they be black, whether they be Hispanic, whether they be Asian, whether it be, you know, West Indian, Haitian, Jamaican, Panamanian, whenever oppressed groups take to the street and cause civil unrest, it is always in service of having their humanity respected. But when the privileged do it, it is always in service of making sure that they're privileged is maintained, that their power is maintained, that their oppressive posture is maintained, even if it means trying to overthrow 
democracy, the bedrock of this nation that they claim to love, that they claim to honor. So I definitely think that would be one commentary. I think the other commentary is also obvious because no matter how much we wish we're not, we weren't. This is still the age of COVID, man. This is still the age of COVID. And one of the things that Martin Luther King Jr. said, and you know, if your only education about Martin Luther King Jr. is the whitewashed version that you were taught in school, that you were taught in on TV, then you probably don't even know that he said this. One of the quotes that I like to share about Martin Luther King Jr. is where he says, of all form and of all forms of inequality, injustice in health is the most shocking and the most inhuman because it often results in physical death. Now, this is not a quote I think many people know, but it is a quote that is often cited and said in the healthcare profession, especially by those who believe that we should be working towards a more humane and a more fair healthcare system, moving away from a healthcare industry and moving more towards a healthcare system. And if you don't know, and I'm pretty sure you can guess, I am a supporter of Medicare for All because I do believe that healthcare is a right and it should absolutely be decoupled, be decoupled from your employment. I think this this pandemic has made it painfully obvious that that needs to happen. And it's actually absurd that we have people who supposedly are progressive, quote unquote, who are still fighting this idea. I think it's totally absurd because if what's happened during this pandemic is not evidence enough, then I, I don't think there's really evidence for you, to be honest. And I think the reality is that when Martin King Jr. was talking about this, he was clearly talking, at least I believe, he was clearly talking about the intersection of inequality and race and the healthcare or the health of black people. Oftentimes in the healthcare profession, this quote would be slightly misquoted because usually what you will hear is that it goes like this of all forms of inequality, injustice in health care is the most shocking and the most inhumane. So two words there are not actually from the original quote. He did not say health care, he said health. And I believe he was talking about the actual physical health of people and the maintenance of that physical health. Now, clearly one can assume that he was probably talking in the grander sense that includes healthcare, but that's still not what he said. And I believe we should always quote people correctly. And also he did not say inhumane. He said inhuman, which is actually worse than inhumane. You know, it's, it's, I hear someone say, if someone said that someone is inhumane, well, I think that the person has actions that are really terrible and really evil and, and really grotesque. But I hear someone say that someone is inhuman. That means that that, that guy is not even a person or at the very least, he does not treat people like they're persons that he's even, he's even worse than, than inhumane in my opinion. Right. So that's something to keep in mind that, Clearly, he was not specifically talking about health care, but I think that this quote still holds true to 
just how health and health services and just physical, your physical ability to enjoy life because of all of the things that are made available to you so that you can enjoy life to its abundance, which includes your health, how that runs across racial lines. I mean, the reality is that black people in this country, we are more exposed to environmental risks. I mean, environmental racism is a thing within, which then affects health. I mean, black mothers are still had a higher rate of dying of childbirth complications. Black children still face more or rather a higher rate of death due to complication with asthma. I mean, one of my best friends in the world has asthma. And every once in a while when she tells me that she's going to be doing something, I don't want to be, I don't want to be, you know, the, the negative Nelly in the room. But I was like, oh, you, you're taking your, your asthma pills, right? You're taking your inhaler? I just want to say, I just want to ask. I'm not going to, I'm not going to harp. I just want to know. And I'm going to leave it at that, you know? And the realities is that, the realities are that this pandemic have, has only heightened the health disparity between black and white people. Because the reality is one of the reasons, and, and there are many reasons, but one of the reasons why it's impacted the black community so much is because we have lower access to health resources, to health care. And there are more, more black people and brown people are more likely to have health problems, which can be directly associated to socioeconomic circumstances that overwhelmingly black people are forced into through years and years of segregation and redlining and food, dis- food disparity and so forth and so on. And so you have all of these things working against black health, not to mention just years and years of mistreatment by the healthcare profession, which complicates the whole vaccine thing. I mean, I have like, I mean, to be completely honest with you, you know, I have seen black people engage in some wild conspiracies about the vaccine and how is this, that, and the other. And uh, and while I am disappointed in seeing that, a part of me understands specifically why black people do not trust the government and do not trust the healthcare system. We're talking about a system going all the way back to slavery has used black bodies as test subjects, has mutilated us, has used us for guinea pigs. The Tuskegee experiments was only just part of the story. If you have not before, I definitely recommend that you read the book called uh, Medical Apartheid. It is a harrowing read, but so informative about just how long and how often the medical profession, and I'm talking about every part of it, whether it's my physical, psychological, mental, just all of it has been abusing and misusing and, and just altogether disparaging and belittling and dehumanizing black folks. So you compound that over years and years and years and years. Yeah, you're going to have a black populace who does not trust the healthcare system and health scientists and science and scientists. And so what happens is that now we are finding ourselves in the midst of a pandemic. And the people who clearly need the vaccine the most, meaning the people who are most impacted and dying the most from COVID are also the ones 
who trusted least, it would seem. And I think for the majority of those people, that mistrust is rooted in the fact that this this industry, this group that they are now being told to trust has just abused them for so long. And so now we find ourselves at a crossroads. And when you are just made to mistrust a group of people for a, for for good reason, it doesn't take much of a leap to go from that to then believing that, you know, Bill Gates wants to microchip us all through this vaccine. Ridiculous as it seems. And of course, there are that's the most ridiculous of it. But there are people who just don't believe in vaccines and they don't understand why would you want to why would you need a vaccine if you're not sick? And I've seen people, you know, question, hey, how come they got this vaccine so quick? But they've been trying to find a vaccine, a cure for cancer forever, but they don't have it. Now, now clearly I can go into chapter and verse why they're not they're literally two hugely different things like people aren't out out here trying to not find a cure for cancer cancer is hugely complicated and we do we have had some breakthroughs there but it is very different from covid and the reality is covid has been something that scientists have been working on vaccines for covid or rather coronaviruses since 2013 because they were looking ahead because they figured, you know, sooner or later, this shit is going to pop off. So they were they were working on stuff going all the way back then. So it's not something that they pulled out their asses. But even with those facts, it's hard for those facts to penetrate this distrust. Because, again, the disparity in healthcare and in health services between black and whites have literally led to deaths of so many of our brothers and sisters that I understand why brothers and sisters do not trust the healthcare system. And so now we have a very complicated situations on our hands and we have to kind of go through the extra step of trying to make sure that our brothers and sisters understand that these vaccines, at the very least, they're, they're, they're not something that they're pulling out their ass and that they need, you know, that we need to go into further explanations. But I think if Martha King Jr. was alive and watching this, he will be pointing to the fact that this distrust that black people have of this vaccine, which is a distrust of the medical community, is something that the medical community brought upon themselves because they allow the disparity to maintain and to grow, and it costs so many lives that there is no reason to trust you. You now have to earn our trust and you're gonna have to earn our trust through some very pointed conversations and explanations and we're gonna be really slow some people are gonna be really slow to come around to you because again you have earned this distrust and so i do think those those two items will probably be the things that mother king jr would probably be most pressed about i think he would absolutely be on biden's ass <laughs> to pass medical for all and to pass laws that would actually lead to greater greater economic equality for for everyone but clearly with an eye on black people and so that's how i'm celebrating for lack of a better word that's how i'm thinking about let's go with that that's how i'm thinking about mlk today about the things that he would be most pressed about and I think the one good thing, many of the good things that will come out of him still being alive is that he he 
we're not have to sit back and watch white people whitewash his legacy. This very brave man was far more radical than we would like to, than white people would like to remember. But it is our job on this day and every day, not just on MLK Day, but every day and every opportunity to remind people that he was more than just an I have a dream speech. And he was more than just a person who protested the evils in society in a way that made white people comfortable. He was far more radical, far more, far more straightforward in talking directly to white supremacy. And I think we owe it to him and we owe it to ourselves and our continued fight to remember that about MLK and to continue in his legacy of radical fighting for equality and justice. And so those are my thoughts today on MLK. I mean, there's so much more that we could say, but, you know, I'm trying to keep the show to just an hour. So that's all I have to say about that. But as always, if you have any additional thoughts, I would love to hear them on Twitter, on Tumblr, on Instagram. I definitely would love to hear from you. Okay, we got a couple more subjects to get to, so let's get to it. So another thing I wanted to talk about today is Biden and how <laughs> and how he's already disappointing me. Now, truth be told, he was I knew he was going to be a disappointment. And unlike some other people, um, I did not go into the voting booth blind. I did not go into the voting booth unaware of who and what this dude was. But even though I had to hold my nose and vote for him, I knew that that was the right thing to do because I knew that the that the alternative would be horrific. Now, I think that it's indisputable that for all the people who went into the voting booth or decided to not vote because, quote-unquote, their vote doesn't matter or, quote-unquote, Biden and Trump is the same. I don't know. Who, I, I have not seen this commentary that Biden and Trump are the same. But I think it's impossible. I don't know who in their right mind can possibly make that argument. That is an impossible argument to make for anyone who's actually an intelligent, sane person. But I think very clearly, especially now after the attempted coup that we saw happen, I think it's very clear that there is a chasm, a huge difference between Trump and Biden, and that if we would have allowed eight more years, eight, excuse me, four more years, eight total of Trump, I don't know that we would have ever made it as a country through another four years. I mean, if, if that is what we saw because he lost, I'm telling you, there were always going to be one of two types of violences from MAGA. The violence of aggrievement because he lost. And then there was also the option of violence of emboldenedness through him winning. If he won, I think we would have seen, still seen violence. I think MAGA would have felt even more emboldened. Because remember, hate crimes shot up right after Trump got elected. 
I think if he would have gotten reelected straight up and down, man, I, I would have, I mean, I, would, I was already having those conversations with, with my friends about leaving this country and we were all trying to figure out where we would go. You know, one of my best friends is Dominican. So he was like, he was going to move to DR. I had other friends who were like, they were going to move to Switzerland. I think, um, my, my whole thing was that I was going to go to Budapest. I, I love Budapest, you know, and then try and make my way to Ghana or somewhere in Africa, but I would have definitely gone straight to Budapest. You know what I'm saying? I would have been out this bitch, but we avoided that. But in avoiding that, it's not as if everything is hunky-dory. And I like to believe everyone who voted for Biden knew that there was going to be some bullshit. And the most recent bullshit is the $2,000 stimulus check. Now, if you don't know, I'm going to give you a quick little overview of what happened. During the last negotiation between the Republicans and the Democrats to get more stimulus money to everyone to all the citizens the republicans would not give more than $600 which is such an insult especially given that they spent 4 years giving millions of and billions and in some cases the calculation goes up to the trillions of free money to the wealthiest people in this country as well as the corporations and yet they scoffed at the idea of giving anything more than $600 to regular citizens struggling during a pandemic, through a pandemic that has people without jobs, that has people without food on the table, and has people without a roof over their heads. They thought $600 would be appropriate help. And of course, we have people who had more fucking common sense who said, no, at minimum, we need to give people $2,000. The reality is, I will tell you, that's even too much. One shot of $2,000 is going to help people pay a couple of bills. That's not going to do it. You, you got you to gotta go ahead and just pay people and give you what they need to survive, which is a monthly stipend of some sort. But we're not going to get into that part of the conversation. So, Republicans want to stay at 600. Democrats wanted 2,000. And so Biden, while running, promised that if he is elected president, he would get people stimulus checks of $2,000. This became a Democratic rallying cry in Georgia, where the Democratic Georgia running contestants slash candidates also said, yes, we're going to go to Washington and get you guys $2,000 stimulus checks, not $600, $2,000. In the middle of all this, Trump got in there and said he also wanted Republicans to send Americans $2,000, but he wasn't doing it because he cared. I think he was doing it because he wanted to fuck with the Republican Party and specifically Mitch McConnell. Because I think right before he did that, Mitch McConnell actually said some words to the effect that, yeah, Biden won the election. And I think this was Trump's way of fucking with him, to be completely honest with you. So I'm not even going to mention that more than that. So Biden promises $2,000 if he's elected. 
the two candidates in Georgia running for running in that election to get Democrats the power in the Senate also said, yep, we're going. If you elect us, we're going to go and we're going to get you guys $2,000, the stimulus check. We're going to go over there and fight for it. Well, last week, I believe it was, Biden introduced his big economic plan to help us revive ourselves as a country. And in it, he did not put a $2,000 check for every citizen. Instead, he put in $1,400. The calculation that he's making is that, hey, 600 was already approved by Congress in their negotiation with the Republicans. So I'm just going to add 1400 to it, which will make it $2,000. Now, he did not show his math when he was promising shit on the campaign trail. He just said, I'm going to get you guys a check that says $2,000. So on the one hand, he's kind of in the right, right? On the one hand, he is keeping his promise that the check you're going to get will be of $2,000, right? It will be a $2,000 check. But then you have people who are saying, no, he promised 2000 himself. He did not promise 1400 His words explicitly was, I'm going to get you, two, I'm going to approve $2,000, okay? And so for them, the math should be, 2000 from Biden on top of the 600 that Democrats were able to get Republicans to agree to. And so we now have this debate of is Biden backtracking? Is he is he breaking his promise or his promises already? Like what is going on? What is the truth? What is my position? I think politicians are always looking or rather let me let me rephrase i think politicians such as biden specifically are stupid enough to always try to do things that will get them some level of approval from republicans okay i think he is going with the whole 1400 Instead of 2000 and again, I have not, since I've been talking to you, I have not read the news. Maybe there's been an update. Maybe he changed his mind. I don't know. But I think this was all to give some kind of, of, of olive branch to Republicans saying, hey, look, look at what I'm doing. I'm being conservative on this. And remember, we are talking about, we are talking about someone who has a history of disgusting Republican politics as he was masquerading as a Democrat. Let's not forget who Biden is, okay? This is a guy who partnered with segregationists. This is a person who at one time said that he was open to the idea of cutting Social Security. So let's not forget who he is. Like I said, I went into this shit with my eyes wide open. My point of view on all this is that he's doing this to appease Republicans, which is stupid because Republicans are not interested really in working with you. So what the fuck are you doing? Number two, I think it is his 
I think it is his his second nature, his 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 internal process to always do things on the conservative front. Like this idea that he was on the campaign trail talking about how he's a progressive. Fuck out of here, man. Since when? When? No, he's not a progressive. So I think this is him trying his best to he's trying his best to kind of throw an olive branch to conservatives and to the Republicans and say, hey, this is me being conservative while at the same time trying to, you know, backpedal, or not necessarily backpedal, but trying to just kind of half-ass his way into keeping his promise. The reality is that he should have done straight up 2000 because why would you want to give people less? See, that's the question. Like, no matter what side you're on, no matter what side you're on in terms of, you know, whether it is okay for it to be 1400 on top of the 600 that would then, that would then equal 2000 or should he just straight up do 2000 which would mean that people would get 2000 on top of 600 would be 2600 my question is why give people less doing economic catastrophe brought on by pandemic where people are literally struggling to eat why do less See, that that's the thing. And don't tell me anything about we don't have the money. We sat here and saw four fucking years of Republicans driving up the deficit by trillions of dollars, giving away billions and trillions of dollars. I don't want to hear shit about how we don't have the money. We clearly have the money because we've been giving it away hand over fist. So clearly we have it somewhere. The question is, and we already know the answer. Why is it when it's time to give to regular people, there's a need to be conservative, there's a need to kind of lowball, as opposed to why not just give them 2600 total, 2000 from Biden, 600 from whatever the Republicans agreed to. Why? Because at the end of the day, no matter who's in office, and this may have been different if we elect, if we were smart enough to elect someone like Bernie or Elizabeth Warren, and I know she didn't run, but Stacey Abrams would probably would have been more, more, more progressive. But when you're when you're bringing on these establishing Democrats, this is the bullshit you're gonna get because they got donors, and they gotta make sure they have enough money to give to donors. They got to make sure they have enough tax money to give back to the rich billionaire donors who are lining their pockets. And so there's a reason why this is expected behavior from Biden. And I think this is also a serious political miscalculation because you don't want to be starting off breaking promises. Because you're already showing people that they can't believe. Now, as bad as Trump was, you still don't want to be a mini Trump in any shape or form. You want to be as much of a straight shooter as you possibly can coming off the heels of that fucker. Like, that's something that you need to do. And I think politically, this was a bad move. Because, again, you got people discussing the truthfulness of your words and whether they can't believe you. Right off the jump. I mean, this is even before you've been inaugurated. Like, what the fuck? Bad move. But then also on just the humane side, people need help. People need help. Why shortchange them? 
after sitting back and watching us give trillions of dollars away and raise the deficit to just incredible heights, why shortchange people? It is actually inhumane. It's wrong. And it is conservative politics inside of a democratic name and a democratic label. And it's pretty fucked up. But that's where we are already. Like, we're already discussing whether or not we can trust Biden. Now, again, I voted for him. Because like I said, I w- and I think I went off on some conversation. Just because your options aren't great doesn't mean you get the bail. You still got to get, you still got to be involved. You still got to work. You can't just bail because you don't have, the options aren't exactly as you would like. So I did not. I got, I stayed involved. I voted. My options were Biden versus Trump. Very clear that it had to be Biden because it would have been just, I would have had to leave the country so up and down if we, if we allowed Trump to win again. But knowing that I knew we were going to have to deal with some fuckery. I know we're going to have to deal with some fuckery with Biden. And so this is this is part one of what I assume is going to be a lot of conversations about Biden fuckery. But let me know what you think. Hit me up. Let me know what your thoughts are. Should it be? Should it be straight up? Two thousand. On top of the six hundred. Or do you think it only matters that you get a check that says two thousand? Let me know what your thoughts are. I would definitely love to hear from you guys. Okay, final topic, and we're going to get out of here. So, my final topic today is is sports-related. So, I don't know how many people are going (laughs) to... I don't know how many people are going to just check out now that I'm talking about sports. Uh, But it's about the NBA. And I said when the NBA was in the bubble and they and, and it was wildly successful except when it came to money. <laughs> they lost a lot of money. But overall, it was wildly successful when they were in the bubble. I said that it was more important that the NBA be successful in the bubble and be successful in trying to play games during a pandemic than it was for anyone else. Because of how front and center the NBA was on social justice issues. Well, now we have a problem. This season is being played outside of a bubble. And so there were going to be the inevitable positive cases. And that's what we're seeing. Now, it's not as bad as what I think we saw in the NFL. But it is pretty concerning. And so the question then becomes, at least for me, the question then becomes, what should the NBA, excuse me, yes, the NBA, what should the NBA do? Because they have to make sure that they mitigate a possible just ridiculous spread of COVID through their teams that can possibly affect games and call for cancellations and call for teams to you know, completely shut down their facilities and on and on and on. Like, what should they do? I think that because of the NBA's position when it comes to all this social justice fighting, 
And around the corner, literally a couple of weeks from now, is Black History Month. So, you know, we got to keep that in mind. I think that because of all this ridiculousness that comes with being at the forefront of fighting for black lives, like there's never been a person or organization that fought for black lives, for black lives to be treated with dignity and respect that's ever been treated well in this country. That's something that's never happened. It's never happened as long as there's been in America. Frankly, this probably never happened as long as it's been a fucking planet, but definitely has never happened as long as it's been in America. I think that the NBA needs to seriously consider going back into a bubble. I think it's now too late to bring the season into a bubble. So what you have to do for the season is probably what the baseball league did, which is to make sure that teams travel or have access to additional players from their minor league system, which would be the G League. So in case someone goes down, they can still field enough people on the team to play games, right? I mean, we had a game recently, I think it was the 76ers. And again, this is only important or understandable by people who follow sports. But I believe it was the 76ers recently had so many people out because of COVID that they had to start Dwight Howard at point. It was some ridiculous shit like that. I think they need to carry additional people on the team. So I think there needs to be an expanded roster. I think the NBA probably need to invest in giving teams additional money so that they can expand their roster so they could bring in more people from their minor leagues, which is the G League, so they can have more bodies at the ready in case someone has to go out. Okay? This is what Major League Baseball did, and I think it actually worked out really well. So I think that's version one, a part one of a solution. I think part two is that for the playoffs, you got to go back into the bubble. I think that goes without saying. I think that as bad as it is for COVID to affect the play of games during a regular season, it would be monumentally worse if COVID and people being irresponsible around other people, which causes them to contract COVID, looking at you, James Harden, looking at you, Kyrie, <laughs> it would be just monumentally bad, a bad look for the marquee tournament of your league to be marred by people going down with COVID. You got to go back into the bubble. I think you have to go back into the bubble. I think you have to, once again, do all that stuff that you did in the bubble the last time, but maybe even do it better like figure out what did not work what they did not like what what was not successful eliminate those things or modify those things as much as you possibly can you know and then just do the whole thing all over again and i th- i mean right now we're hearing that even with a vaccine we still need to wear masks and we need a an 80 percent we need 80 percent of the population to adhere to masks for us, even with a vaccine, to get out of this by 2022. And given what I've seen recently, 
Motherfuckers are not wearing masks. So we're probably not going to be out of this shit to like, what, 2025? Shit. Which means that leagues like the NBA, the NFL, yeah, no fans for a while, man. No fans for a while. Which means that I think in and out of bubbles or in and out of versions of bubbles, just going to be the come has to become the norm. I think that has to be just the way that it has it has to go. And I think it's really important. Again, no league is treated. Excuse me. No group. No persons. No organization that loudly stands up for the dignity of Black lives are ever treated with respect, or ever treated with kindness, or ever treated with love. Which is why it's all the more important that the NBA be successful in keeping their league and their business and their product going and going well, even during this pandemic. Now I'm saying this as a Knicks fan. (laughs) So, you know, I don't have, (laughs) I don't have any winning to look forward to. Okay. And it's not, I'm saying this because my team's in the running for anything. No, I'm saying this because I, because, and this is really especially true for the WNBA basketball and really this is true for a very long time but basketball has been at the forefront arm in arm with civil rights activists fighting for black lives for as long as I can remember as long as I've been reading the books I think maybe for a little while you could have said baseball and and famous black baseball players were the ones at the front of the lines with us, but I think it was neck and neck, arm and arm. And again, it's not about giving more credit to this person than that person. It doesn't matter, really. In the end, I just care that these people in this league that has been such a partner to us historically, and also the WNBA, which is clearly a very young and new league, I care about them also because we would not have... we. Straight up and down, we would not have the majority in the Senate right now if it wasn't for the WNBA because Warnock was, I think he was trending or polling like 9% until the, the WNBA team, and I forget the name of the team right now, through their support behind him. So the WNBA, man, you, we owe those black women as well as those women in general a whole fucking lot, and I want to see them succeed. And I think, I truly believe that the best way for them to succeed so I'm to go back inside of a bubble, especially come playoff time, okay? And maybe you cut the season short to make sure that all the teams going in the bubble, they're all quarantined. We make sure that all the players are fine. Kind of give them a chance to say, look, motherfuckers, okay, we're going to playoffs. If you were doing some shit you were supposed to, supposed to, stop now. Stop now, okay? Cut out now. Okay, your last opportunity to go to the strip club. That's it. No more. Going into the bubble. And, may, and if you act right, we might, we might bring the strip club into the bubble. I mean, it's nobody's business but ours, right? <laughs> but I think the NBA need to take drastic measures. Because, again, you can't have COVID interrupting the playoffs. That just cannot happen. And even though the playoffs last year, I believe the lowest rated of all time, and I understand it. White people, they want to see all Black Lives Matter stuff. White people do not want to see all that Black Lives Matter stuff, say her name stuff, Breonna Taylor stuff, George Floyd stuff, because we know how they are. 
I mean, there was like a high point during the Ford, the George Floyd protests where white people and their approval of Black Lives Matter was like at an all-time high, but we all knew that wasn't going to last, and it didn't. Because you can't trust white people when it comes to these things. And so they didn't watch. And I think a lot of people didn't watch because the games were so different. There was no crowd noise. There was no there was no crowd, you know, reaction to momentous things and happenings in the games and plays in the game. I get it. Totally get it. I understand. Okay? That doesn't mean that we can allow them to fail. So I'm gonna assume that Adam Silver listens to my podcast. I think I'm going to assume he's among the, the few people who's listening. This is only episode three, y'all. We are on a roll. I'm going to assume that he listens to the podcast and he's going to take my advice. We got to go back into the bubble. We got to be super strict. Let the teams carry extra people from their G League in, in case they need to replace people so they could quickly expand their roster if something goes sideways because someone had to go get some lemon pepper wings, which. I have heard from that particular strip club, they're fucking crazy. So I can't judge Lou too hard because I've had, I'm, hey, I've made my own lemon pepper wings and they're super good. I can only imagine what they must taste like by someone who knows what the fuck they're doing. You know what I'm saying? Someone who's been doing it for like a, two decades and shit. Okay? I'm not going to judge them too hard. But you catch COVID you fuck up the playoffs, it's going to be a problem, right? So I think they need to allow the teams to expand by bringing on extra players from the G League. And the G Leaguers, you guys got to be on extra lockdown. Don't fuck up your opportunity to get on the court by doing stupid shit. And part two of the solution, they need to go back inside the bubble. I think that's what they got to do. Let me know your thoughts. And yo... This has been a great show. It went by really... I always think these shows are going to take a long time to do, but damn, it, this went by quickly. I mean, there's still more stuff I want to talk about. This whole thing with Russia, part... Trump is supposed to be, like, pardoning just a fucking truckload of people. We didn't get a chance to talk about that. So, hopefully, we get a chance to talk about that on Wednesday. But, hey, thank you for your time. Thank you for chilling out with me in this hour. I appreciate you. As always, subscribe, give me five stars on the review, and share with your friends and family. Let's continue to grow this community. Let's continue to grow what we got going on here. And I will talk to you later. Peace.